In these Sunday meetings, our general theme is what we call practical Christianity or practical metaphysics. Implication is that spiritual things are something to do, not just to repeat, not just a church to join, experience to unfold. It is felt that every experience of life can be a, an object of our spiritual quest, our spiritual practice. Every day we go through hundreds of experiences in which we can find help and betterment by, as we say, knowing the truth. The one who is busy practicing the truth uses this approach constantly. One of the most important experiences that we have in our life, most often repeated, is the need for decisions. Joel says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. We're forever at the crossroads of personal choice. As a matter of fact, the freedom to choose is the important difference between human creatures and the lesser forms of life. Consciousness provides freedom to choose and the responsibility to make the choice. That's the hard part. We have the freedom to choose anything we want, but we have the responsibility to make the choice often. A hummingbird has never made a nest, has never even seen one. And it matures, becomes nesting time. We will commence to build a nest, which will be the same as all other nests ever built by hummingbirds, and the same as this hummingbird will make the rest of his life. The process is ingrained in his protoplasm. He has no choice. He just does it because it's his nature. If you and I want a house, we're faced with some big decisions. Are we going to build it, or buy it, or rent it according to taste, style, color, size, price range? So many ramifications. You don't just settle in a house. We go through all those decisions. And some people find it very difficult to face those decisions. May fail even to make a move for a better house, better living accommodations because of the inability to make the, make the choice. Almost perpetually we're at the crossroads. Covadas. When you leave this place this morning, you have to make decisions from the time you step up, stand up in the hall, whether you go this way or that way, up this aisle, that aisle, whether to talk to the person that you have befriended or whether you are going to be inadequate and go without talking. You're going to be a friendly person involved in the after the service fellowship or whether you're going to say, well, those people are not friend, unfriendly down there. You're going to go home, whether you go up one street, down the other street, take a subway, take a bus, go out to dinner, go home and eat. These choices we're making all the time. These are just minor ones. The important thing is we're faced with the Latin covatus. It's the watchword of our lives. Which way to go? What to believe? How to vote? It's probably the most difficult thing we do. Many persons drop out of the flow of life through their inability to make up their minds. 
fear of making a wrong turn. His anxious concern leads people to consult psychics, seers, channels, seeking advice, direction, guidance. Somebody will tell you which way to go and make the choice for you. They'll steer you in the right direction. The story is told of a farmer who hired a new handyman, a laborer. He sent him to help him to hire him build fences. He dug the post holes, and he was good at it. He was fast. He was efficient. Hiram was very pleased with the handyman at this process, so he next set him to grating potatoes in the garage. Had a big mountain high pile of potatoes. He showed the man how to pick the large ones, put in the large box, medium ones in the medium sized box, the small ones in the small sized box. So he left, and after a few hours, he thought, well, he's probably got it all done now. And he went back to the barn. The handyman was sitting with his head in his hands. I can't stand it. I can't take it anymore. The pressure's killing me. I said, what's the matter? It's just a simple job. The man said, it's these everlasting decisions. It's the major cause of procrastination. We hope that some need for a decision will just go away. We put it off and maybe it'll take care of itself. I scarlet O'Hara. I won't think of it today, I'll think of it tomorrow. In employment, a person learns to cope with pressures and making decisions. If he does, he's the most likely to succeed. There's always room at the top for people who are wise and decisive. A busy executive is sometimes referred to as a veritable decision-making machine. Many folks become nervous wrecks because their inability to make decisions confidently without tension. Stewing over the choice beforehand and spending sleepless nights afterward worrying about whether they made the right choice. There's a common misperception about a busy executive handling many phones on his desk. It's a caricature. Mr. Executive, phone ring, he picks it up, buy, picks it up, sell. Do this, do that. He's handling his far-flung business activities very decisively. We tend to think, and erroneously so, that this man is at risk for an early heart attack. Some studies were made at the DuPont University, at DuPont Corporation, some time ago, to discuss this, this very, analyze this very problem. Does extra pressure cause heart attacks? They found the contrary to be true. Executives and plant managers had a heart attack rate of 2.2 per thousand. Manual workers, who did nothing but working with their hands, had a heart attack rate of 3.2 per thousand. It could be that people become executives precisely because of their ability to handle the stresses of decision-making. They wouldn't be in that position if they didn't, hadn't already learned to cope with it. I had a letter from a listener some time ago. This man had been promoted to a position with big responsibilities, something he'd always wanted. He discovered that the problem of making decisions was pretty difficult. He was about to realize that it was too much for him, that he was going to have to give up the job. The pressure of making decisions. He was about to crack out of this, uh, the stress. He wrote me saying, can you tell me how to make decisions easily? I'm not sure I can tell anyone how to make decisions. It's something you work out within yourself. 
But there are certain techniques involved, certain processes that we're working. We can talk about those. Actually, I did a radio broadcast in answer to the man's question. One of the things I said was just decide once and for all that you'll never make a decision again. That's shocking, isn't it? I don't know how to make decisions. You tell me never make a decision. This would seem to encourage irresponsibility and procrastination. A person might tend to build a habit of putting things off till tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Might make one a good candidate for early retirement from his job. But I say again, sincerely, don't make decisions. Never make a decision again in your life. The very effort to make the decision is creating indecision. Because it frustrates the activity of mind out of which guidance flows. And you say, but how can you know what to do if you don't make a decision? The answer is, the decision is not to be made, but to be discovered. We need to remind ourselves of the omnipresence and the omni-action of infant mind in which we live and move and have our being. See, there's a misunderstanding about the spiritual structure of a person. You really don't have a mind of your own. You're a state of consciousness within the infinite mind. You may think that your mind is separate and alone. You may act from this awareness. And we do much of the time. That's where our problems start. You'll obviously feel the pressure of decisions because you have nothing to work with other than your own knowledge, your own experience. This is totally inadequate to deal with life. But life is whole and complete. Even when you're seeing and sensing in part, the whole of mind is present, in which there's always the right answer. There's always that in you that knows, the knower. We're so busy trying to work out the decision in the human consciousness, we forget about the knower that knows. The Lord said to Isaiah, before you call, I will answer. Before you call, I will answer. This is one of the most amazing discoveries you can make in your life. The divine guidance process that works within you, within every person, all the time. You can always remember that the problems of human experience, the tensions, the pressures, come from trying to deal with things in a human way alone. We're more than human. There's a dimension within called, Jesus called the Father within. In this dimension, there's always a perfect counterpart of everything you think or do. Always a perfect counterpart. It's almost like a shadow, but it's more than that. You can't be involved in anything, but there's something corresponding to that thing, that person, that experience in divine mind. It's uh, your identity in divine mind. It's that in divine mind is never working to, to unfold your good, to lead you into the highest and the best ways. Any problem you face at the crossroads, there's that in you that knows immediately which way you should go. It's not just God being quick in his response, answering the Kovadis request on the spot. The process is the work of principle. It's not that you have a need and God says, oh, he has a need, I better go down and help him. That isn't the way it works. It's principle. Emerson touches on this when he says, guidance is the continuation of the divine effort that made you. Continuation of the divine effort that made you. The guidance process is always present. Is that in you that knows which way to go, what to do, always, and in all ways? 
He says there's guidance for each of us, and by lowly listening, we shall hear the right word. Lowly listening. It means we have to still the human voice, turn away from the responsibility and the pressures of deciding whether to go this way or that way, do this or that, to be still and listen. Recall a time when you had a hunch. What is a hunch? Is it something conjured up by the intellect? No, of course not. The hunch that you experienced was an inner knowing filtering through your blocked mind. You were trying so hard to make a decision, racking your brain, thinking, deeply thinking, trying to work this thing out. And all the while, the right answer was there within, seeking to express, to unfold, before they call, I will answer. In the wholeness of mind, there is that in you that knows always. The problem is, you may not have developed the confidence in ourselves to choose rightly. We haven't learned to trust the process of the divine within. Many folks live all their lives and never experience this, as opposed to as they die with all their music in them. We have this tremendous process that can change your life, that can leave you, relieve you from stress and strain of decision-making and challenges of every day. You learn to lowly listen. Watch a bird migrating infallibly to its destination, never seen. It's a beautiful sight. Sometimes a whole flock of birds making their way across the sky, heading for a place, perhaps in Central America, which is their migrating place. These are the young that grew up in the northern regions of the Arctic. They've never been to this place that they're going to. They have no one in their flock to direct them. Something in their protoplasm knows. They fly on early across the sky. Not only after thousands of miles finding the identical jungle in which they migrate, oftentimes rendezvousing with their own parents after thousands of miles of flying without any direction. Jesus said, if God so clothes the birds, shall not much more guide you. It's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. One of the wonders of life. Very often it goes without being used at all. And when we talk about discovering a decision, we're not implying predestination. Not that life is all chosen for you and all laid out and you can't follow this course that's laid for you. Not that at all. The only predestiny is the ultimate unfoldment of the creature that you are. But the direction you take is determined by consciousness. There's a creative intention involved in you. Force that transcends mistakes and makes all things work for good. I love the illustration of the organist who's playing, perhaps improvising. He accidentally strikes a wrong tone and makes a dissonance. If he's a skilled organist, he will immediately let that dissonant tone be a leading tone into a new chord progression. It transposes into a different key. And it goes on so that it sounds almost as if the dissonance was intentional. It couldn't have been any other way. It's because of his skill and understanding of the laws of harmony that enables him to make this progression. So there's a great discovery that many of us have made and 
It lies as a great possibility for all of us to make. It is this. You can't make a wrong choice. You can't make a bad decision. You may be shocked at this. You might say, well, I know lots of times I've made a bad choice. When I took this job when I married, when I decided to go into this profession and all these things, I've made terrible choices in my life. I say again, you can't make a bad choice. This thought will diffuse much of the fear of decisions, but how can we say this? Along with the seemingly bad decision, human experience and growth, it led you into turmoil, into conflict, into heartache, which, whether you know it or not, was an opportunity for you to grow. The wrong road leads to the long way to your good, which is the time and the place to outgrow the very conscious from which you made the bad choice. So if you see your experience in a practical sense of always looking to find out why things are going as they are, and doing something about it, and the bad choice was the very best choice you could have made. It was where you needed to go. Knowing this, you can be free from the fear of making bad choices. You must be, experience that freedom of the fear of making choices, which opened the way for you to touch the right choice. There's no decision to be made, only a direction to discover. Next time a decision is to be made in your life, let your mind become an instrument rather than a source. Let your mind be the instrument rather than the source. We think, I've got to make this decision. I've got to choose. I've got to decide whether to take this job or stay on the one I have. I choose whether to take that special course that's been offered or put my time in something else. I've got to make the decision. So often we feel the pressures of that decision. We allow it to simmer in our consciousness, usually because of some procrastination that sets in. We go on and sometimes days pass by, weeks pass by. Some will say, did you make the choice? I just can't make up my mind. That's something we've all felt. The point is, don't try to make up your mind. Don't try to make a decision. Relax and let go and know that there's an unfolding process in your life. It will lead you into that which is good for you in terms of your highest unfoldment. Plug into that superconscious intelligence that knows you and knows your needs better than you know them. Knows your tendencies, knows your desires, knows your ideals, your potentialities. If you lowly listen and plug into that infinite energy, you find the guidance that will lead you in the right and wise ways. Next time the decision will be made, let your mind become an instrument rather than a source. As we say, don't rack your brain. Don't create pressures in your conscience trying to make a decision, make a choice. You don't have to make a decision, only to discover it in the depths of infinite mind. Let the process work for you and trust this process. In the end, you will not make the decision. The decision will make you. One good way to stir up the awareness of the guidance process one that has always been helpful to me, through writing or typing or on a computer. Head a page, quo vitis. You're working to experience the flow of the guiding process directing you into the path of your highest good. Start writing or typing. Thought engenders thought. The well of the mind has no bottom. Keep going, keep typing. What do I write about? Just let your thoughts flow. 
You think about this decision to just, just let your mind ramble all around it. Maybe things you fear or fearing and things you're worried about, things you can see as possibilities. Just let your mind ramble through a page. Have several pages. You'll notice that very soon, if you let yourself ramble and kind of freelance, your writing will assume that a choice is already made. You'll begin to indicate that this is something that's already done. You'll begin to talk right about it. It seems so clear that you find yourself moving in that direction with no strainer in deciding at all. And you reread what you've written. You get a feeling of confidence in the activity of mind in you. So then affirm, I cannot make a wrong decision. You need to take this stand before you make a choice at all, because unless you believe that you can't make a wrong decision, you'll be afraid that you will, and you'll be directed in confused ways. You have the ability to make a right decision. So affirm for yourself, I know what to do. That's the power of affirmation that many folks don't understand. How can you say, I know what to do, when I don't know what to do? You're talking about the superconscious mind within you. God in you knows. God as you knows. You know, innately. I know what to do. The need then is to find a way to stir up and release this knowing, to discover this direction that's already there rather than running helplessly about in human ways. Rest in the oneness with God, without strain, without fear. I know what to do, and I do it freely, easily. And lay it all aside. The whole problem, the question, the concerns, the anxieties, the frantic need to make this choice, lay it aside for an incubation period. Or go to bed, or go out for a walk, or go back to work. You can think, while I sleep or walk or work, infinite mind will be at work within me. And it's a very important thing to avoid the procrastination tendency. Give yourself what I call a live line. A live line. Deadline is a negative word, so don't use that. Give yourself a live line. Tell yourself, at 9 o'clock tomorrow, I'll act. Or 2 o'clock this afternoon, or Friday after work. Give yourself a live line a special time in which you will make a decision. And then don't ask for advice. Keep your mouth closed. Let the process work. Don't talk about it. At the appointed hour, the alive line, act as if decisions were already made. Just take a step. This takes faith, but it's beautiful. You see it happening. The process has been working in you, working toward this particular moment, and just start. Just start out. You have to give the boss an answer, pick up the phone, Talking to Mr. Jones, have you decided to do it or not to do it? You find the answer coming to you almost as a novel thing because you didn't know you had the answer there. But you make a choice. One thing is have faith that your words are formed by transcendent wisdom, divinely inspired and divinely empowered. Your hands are God's hands with creative works flowing through in right and wise ways. Your feet are God's feet, and you walk in paths of peace, happiness, and success. You'll make a choice. You'll make a decision. You'll be right. And you'll prove to be the both the best thing you've ever done. Remember, you're in mind, and mind knows. At the crossroads, trust the process. The right direction is known in you. In superconscious, you know. Let that knowingness dissolve all fear of failures or tragic choices. Obviously, first of all, you have to know what you're choosing.
between or, or for. Get all the facts. Be sure you know what, what it is you're trying to decide about. Let it all go in the realization that any attempt to squeeze a decision out of your mind will serve only to block the flow of right answers. Let the answer unfold. It'll be right. You'll know it. And right for all persons concerned. It's important that we develop a conscious awareness of this great truth of the mind process within us. And have faith in it. Believe that we're all spiritual giants when it comes to being replete with the built-in process of the superconscious. God-mind knows. God-mind in you knows. God-mind expressing as you knows and you know. Believe it. Act upon that belief. Your life will be entirely different. Because as, as Thoreau says, many folks not knowing this live lives of quiet desperation. There will be no desperation in you. You'll be effective and decisive and joyous and free. You make decisions without pressure, without tension, without stress. Ella Wheeler Wilcox says, that which the upreaching spirit can achieve, the grand and all creative forces know. It will assist and strengthen as the light lifts up the acorn to the oak tree's height. Thou hast but to resolve, and lo, God's whole great universe shall fortify thy soul. Let's just be still for a moment. As we said in the beginning, we're not concerned with remembering all that we've talked about. Because all that we've said is background music to something that's going on in you. Remember the experience, something you felt. Take it with you and let it be a motivation on your way. Tell yourself, I'll never make a decision again in the sense of trying to create it, to work it out of my experience and my understanding, my human awareness. I will know that in me there is a all intelligence, a cosmic process, a supermind awareness. And I know. So I'm not trying to make a decision, but to discover the decision. Let the decision make me. I'm free from tension, stress, and strain. Make right and wise choices. I'm happy about them. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So be it. We're going to take a moment now to have our circle of light experience. We're doing this all year. Our need is to think for a moment about not something we want to receive, something we can give. We live in a world of turmoil and a world of exciting change. We're in this world. We're a part of it. We have the opportunity as well as the responsibility to give something very special to it. We want to send our blessing. Let's just think of ourselves how each one is centered in the light, flowing forth from within ourselves, uniting this sense of light with each other. Think of ourselves as standing in a large circle, 
confident in the truth that we've been dealing with and it can go forth through us to be a powerful blessing to the world. Let's see this circle of light moving like a halo around the world. Nestling in the hills and vales, cities and towns, where persons may be hungry, at war, fearful. All persons everywhere are surrounded by this great light. We give the energy of our faith to it. And let this great power go forth from us this moment. A circle of light for the whole earth. And so be it.